You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters. Welcome back, Bobby Jonas. How's it going, everybody? Hey, hey. Brian McCubbin. Hey, guys. I'm nodding in the dark. And no power. And Greg Hectus. I hate Restream. Or, sorry, Mob Crush. I like Restream. Yeah, what happened to Mob Crush? Well, on today's show, we review the All-Star Race, Coke Race at Chicago. Uh, was very entertaining. We talk about um, lots of other iRacing topics, uh, including uh, the the spa grass thing continues on, uh, part two. Yeah, guys, and uh, remember, you can just follow along with us in your PC mobile device in real time as you listen to the show. You'll be able to see all these topics and products we'll be discussing today by visiting iRacersLounge.com. Just go to select... Uh, just go select show notes and you'll be able to follow right along with us. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. Bobby, what do you think about these sim coaches? I absolutely love mine as I finally got my rig going again here too not long ago. Um, they made a huge difference being able to just jump right in and get going off the bat. Yep. Um, you're another team member who decided to work with Lawrence from Vegas and, and, and get these pedals and, uh, and you basically built your whole system around it, huh? Yeah. Well, and the problem with dealing with sim coaches, they make it so easy <laughs> to purchase a set. It was, it was kind of a no brainer and they are very sturdy. In fact, I had to redesign my whole pedal platform. So it didn't move when I was pushing on it. Yeah. They got a lot of neat stuff, uh, going. We'll talk about them later in the show. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaking. And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom. It is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Welcome back, Evan Pasoko. Let's talk uh, all-star racing at Chicago. Yeah, we were uh, really excited coming into this race, and I'll tell you what, uh, it turned out to be a much more uh, crazy night than I think any of us were expecting. Absolutely. Uh, well, b- uh, before the race, we heard uh, Bob Bryant returns to the series. Uh, he tells us pre-race uh, uh, some neat things, uh, that this series is based on merit alone. Hey, nobody's cutting a check to be in this series. These guys are literally the best in the world that they do. And it was neat for Bob to remind us all about this. I mean, 
this is probably the most competitive series in all of motorsports if you look at it as a whole. Yeah, that's been a big, uh, you know, thing that I've pushed as well, right? I mean, we talk about how obviously the series gets more competitive year by year, right? More drivers um, constantly trying to qualify into the series. Uh, but he's 100% right in the fact that there's no, I always say, you know, there's no three-year deals. There's no five-year deals. There's nothing guaranteed because it's relegation for the bottom 20 every single season. So you can't really afford to to have a bad year, right? So that's why when when you look at some of these guys, the Alfalas and the Contis and, you know, some of these other names that have been competing in this series for uh, so many seasons, um, you know, 13, 12 years for them, Matt Boosa's in his 10th year, Duvall's in his 10th, Ottinger in his 11th. I mean, those are incredibly impressive numbers because you have to be at the top of your game or you're gone just like that. That's right. Uh, also heard Donovan Strauss will be missing the race due to some personal matters. Uh, but uh, the, the opening was Garrett Maines took the pole for the all-star open. Uh, the open was 12 laps and a top five advanced uh, early on. Dylan Duvall takes control of the open with Parker Rutzklaff and Garrett Maines in tow. Uh, but there was a little bit of trouble in back. Uh, and then with five to go in the open, it was Duvall, Rutzklaff, Maines, Reynolds, and we get the competition caution. It was a great interview with Liam Brotherton. Uh, boy, he really talked up NASCAR and the Chicago street race. Yeah, he was pushing it, right? He was, uh, I think, uh, Alan mentioned he was putting his uh, marketing degree um, to you. So it was good to hear from Liam. Of course, you know, you talk uh, in terms of what's going on uh, in the race at this point. We hadn't seen a ton of movement up front, right? Um, Reno right before, um, you know, we saw Dylan Duvall, of course, uh, have control of this race. Uh, he was uh, kind of settled into the lead spot and um, we were just kind of waiting for the comp yellow, right? We'll talk about some similar themes when we get to the feature race was um, obviously a lot of self-inflicted mistakes from drivers kind of midfield towards the rear at the start of this open uh you know guys getting into the wall guys spinning out um kind of on their own accord and then also just some of the more minor mistakes that kind of spread out the gaps um and you know kind of allowed things to be a little bit more spaced apart uh than they would have been at a competitive point going in to that break but Duvall's looking good um having been up front for you know almost the entirety essentially of the first half of the open yeah, I think there was a little sense of desperation in the back because if you're not in the top five, it's really hard to get to the top five on a track like this. I mean, uh, so there's not really people going through the field and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, the guys in the back were just doing whatever they could, but it wasn't enough, obviously. Uh, but the next part was very interesting. Um, basically, um, Garrett Maines kind of, I guess, loses patience trying to get around Dylan Duvall. Uh, and decides to put his bumper right on his bumper and basically push him through a corner until he basically wrecks. It was, um, it was interesting, right? Um, you know, there's been uh, some very different opinions on it, and, and this is kind of why I referenced that this race was a little bit more um, wild than we thought, right? Because the whole point coming in was, listen, these guys have been in a hard points battle. Uh, they get a non-points race. They can have some fun with it. That doesn't necessarily mean that any of us were expecting them to not fight hard, but, you know, it certainly uh, give, you, give you a chance to take a deep breath 
and there is uh, definitely contact. Um, you know, if, if you talk to the um, mains camp, they felt like Duvall put them in the fence a couple of corners before that. Um, so you get some bumps. And uh, at the end of it all, uh, you know, Mains does make square contact with Dylan Duvall and, and could have lifted to not hit him right or could have lifted to say off but he didn't right i mean he uh, it was very clear that he tried to move him out of the way i don't think that he went in you know two laps before that saying i'm gonna wreck this guy but we were talking the whole time right the whole point of this open was the top five moved to the feature well they're first and second there is no reason to fight right for that win but these are race car drivers right good luck telling them eh, just hang back it's not worth it right and at the end of the day mains can feel like he was wronged um but from what i saw upstairs is it was his fault right i mean he was on the bumper duvall's at a helpless position there you could have lifted instead he kind of tried to to move him out of the way and instead it pushed duvall into the inside of wall back out into him and it caused us a wreck with the top two yep and uh I kind of blame, you know, main spotter for not trying to talk him down a little bit. Like you said, the top five transfer, there was no reason in the world that he needed to try to get payback or, or get the spot or anything like that. Just bring it home and you, you advance on to the next feature. So, uh, so yeah, that was interesting. And, and so at the end of it, of course, uh, Rhett's laugh ends up winning, uh, Reynolds second, Mercurio third, mains falls to fourth. And Alt was the last person who advanced. And obviously, Dylan Duvall didn't advance. Uh, afterwards, he on Twitter, Dylan, uh, and, and during an interview, he was, he was not happy. And uh, it, it sounded like he's got some payback in mind. <laughs> yeah, he was not happy because, of course, Mains drives on to still advance. He finishes, uh, you know, third, I believe, um, in the open and Duvall does not. Right. And I think that, uh, the frustration from Dylan comes from a, a number of aspects, right. Uh, you know, without coincidence, I, I kind of referenced it earlier. Uh, Duvall's one of the veterans of this series, right. it's his 10th year, um, competing in the Coke series. Um, and, and I think based on his comments, he kind of feels slighted by some of the younger drivers, right. He gets taken out by a, a Garrett Maines, um, who's only in his second year. Um, he as well referenced uh, a bit of frustration, I believe, um, with uh, Vicente Salas from some previous incidents of Vicente in his second year, right? I mean, both Vicente and Garrett, super talented drivers. But I feel like Dylan is feeling a lot of the same frustration that you're seeing in the Cup Series, right? Where people feel like these these younger drivers come in and they are much more accepting to go right to the contact instead of trying to raise somebody clean, right? That's not my opinion. That's Duvall's opinion. And I think that this incident was, was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Um, at the end of the day, this is supposed to be an exhibition race. It's supposed to be for bragging rights and fun. And no, you know, even with uh, a several hours long Twitter thread between the two where they still couldn't agree after the race, Dylan Duvall's opinion remains unchanged. So the question is, uh, does he cash in that check on the promised payback? I love the the quiet Canadian polite rage uh, that, you know, that the Canadians do. But uh, you're right. The mirroring of what happens in real NASCAR 
you know, you look at that last restart in the in the real NASCAR race, Joey Logano coming from rows back and just plowing his way through. And um, but but there is some some uh, tie, ties there that seem to to be uh, common anyway. So let's move on to the next uh, uh, start of Heat One. Uh, the lineup for this one was Dijon. Uh, DeYoung, Bolin, Zelensky, Conti, Retzlaff, Reynolds, Busa, Wilson, Hurst, Mercurio for the top 10. As they start, Mitchell breaks away at the start as they all jostle a bit before breaking down basically single file. Uh, to me, it looks like uh, Garrett Maines was the only one actually moving forward. Yeah, and this is, you know, you would expect not a ton of movement through the field at this point because, well, this is the, uh, you know, this is the order in which they qualified. In theory, it's the order in which they all have speed. Um, so I wasn't too shocked, right, by the fact that, you know, Mitchell Young starts up front and gets away, right? I mean, that's something that's so emblematic about road course racing. And we got a preview of it there, even in the open, right? You can be faster, somebody, but it's not going to be easy or obvious to make a pass, right? We kind of started to learn as the race went on, uh, you know, where you could make passes, a couple of guys doing it down into turn one, couple, I think we're doing it into six. So we kind of learned where those breaking points would be, those passing opportunities, which is probably going to be exactly what you see uh, for the cup race here next year. But, do, you know, he pulls away. And the, the one thing we were thinking is, of course, the whole point of this heat is to essentially requalify for the main bid of the feature, right? If this was a points paying thing, your incentive for not finishing high up and playing the invert would be points, right? You don't have that. So we're like, yeah, Mitchell's fast. He pulls, you know, some two seconds out up front, but we really weren't sure, you know, how quick was he? Because really you wanted to finish eighth in this heat race because eighth would eventually put you on pole for the feature. So we were kind of curious how much sandbagging and gamesmanship was going on. Yep. Uh, at one point, Mains gets three wide uh, on this course as one car had slipped and he took advantage. Uh, Alt spins at the back of the field, no one else involved. Um, at the halfway point, it's Mitchell has led them all. And then we see Bob Bryant. Man, he hit hard. He, he catches the tires and collects uh, Briar LaPrade. Uh, Briar put up a video after the race of his point of view and and the, got the wheel ripped right out of his hands, basically, uh, as he ran into Bob. And Bob basically went from, you know, 80 mile an hour to zero in a split second. <laughs> yeah, that's another one of those tricky corners that, you know, we kind of knew that there were some really, really tight spots on this track. But again, we didn't know where all the passing zones would be. We also didn't know where all the tricky corners would be. And uh, Bob was so kind to point out to us um, that turn number four is uh, not really the place you want to be. And again, uh, I believe it was the 19 who got underneath him, um, had the track position, and he tried to keep it up on the outside. And, and it's just not going to work in four, right? I mean, you, you're basically coming head on to a wall there. He got into the tires, uh, got some pretty heavy damage and uh, an unfortunate uh, thud um, of an ending for the 53 who was hoping to come back here and have a good night. Yep. And then the promise of the heat race played out with the invert as uh, Busa and Casey Kerwin had a great battle uh, for eighth uh, approaching the last lap. Uh, Busa gets him while Mitchell wins the race, but that was really fun to watch. So as you said, they invert the top eight for the next 16 lap race. And now Busa is up front because he finished eighth. 
and you could tell how important it was for them uh, to, to race for eighth because they were going really aggressive there. Uh, Casey knew that essentially that position was worth nine, right? If he finishes ninth in the heat, he's going to start ninth in the feature. If he finishes eighth in the heat, He's starting first. That's a nine points paying position, essentially spot away. You're going to move nine spots up the grid. And uh, that was one of the, the best and one of the cleanest, uh, most aggressive fights we saw all night, um, you know, between those two going all the way down to the end. Of course, Mitchell DeYoung, you mentioned, was way up front at that point. He took the win handily. He was going to give himself a challenge of getting the maximum invert, getting kicked back essentially to the midfield. Uh, the credit to Busa, who held on and would eventually be inverted to pull. Oh. Right. So lap three, uh, Mike Conti misses the corner completely head on into the wall. Another huge, huge, huge hit. Uh, Mitchell, uh, Casey Kerwin got a piece. Mitchell was totally caught up uh, and collected. But meanwhile, up front, it was Busa leading uh, Stephen Wilson, who was stalking his lead. And that was out of nowhere, right? Because I was kind of excited to see what was going to happen with uh, Mitchell DeYoung, right? Courtesy of the invert and Conti's wreck happens in the same spot uh, that we saw Bob's wreck happen in very different circumstances. Michael just missed it on his own and, and cleans out Mitchell. Um, takes those two cars out of the race. Casey Kerwin gets a little bit of damage. Um, but really what that did was it, it really splintered off the midfield from your race leaders because everybody was checking up, trying to avoid it. And uh, as up front, and you got Matt Busa leading this race. Uh, there was a couple of really good looks from Wilson. Wilson got in front of him on several instances through the corners, but they kept it clean. Those two raced really good in the first half here and put on a show. Yeah, after the first event, I was a little worried about how clean it would be. But these three leaders were racing clean here through this part of the race. Lap six, it was a three-way battle for that lead. Busa, Wilson, and Zelensky was right there. Uh, eight to go. Busa breaks away a bit as Bobby was trying hard to get by Wilson. Uh, Wilson finally outbreaks and gets by Busa and takes the lead. Uh, and then uh, competition caution with six to go. He gets that lead right before the caution. Just in the nick of time, and that's something that we discussed as well, right? Obviously, everybody wants to be the control car because you're going to get the jump in the one. You're more likely to be clear through that first tricky left-hander off of the restart. But, you know, we were kind of curious, how aggressive was Zelensky going to be behind from third, right? Did he uh, you know, would he prefer to start on the outside of the front row or, or is third not too bad? Because on, on many of the starts over the course of this event, we actually saw the third-place driver get a better jump than the car in second because they're following the leader through. That position has often gained a spot on restart. But uh, in the end, despite everything that uh, Matt Busa was able to do, Stephen Wilson timed it beautifully and found himself in a great spot trying to get the race win. Yep. So we got that restart. It's Wilson, Busa, Zelensky, Kerwin up front. Uh, Wilson has a great start again. Uh, Zelensky gets by Busa right away. So Bobby's getting close to the lead, waiting for a mistake by Wilson uh, as they take the white. Uh, Kerwin gets to third and then Boland then by mains. But uh, Zelensky on the white here, he, he gets a run and he looks low on Wilson. He th but Wilson throws the block uh, uh, very effectively, uh, holds him off somehow and uh and wins and, and th the difference between this one and the one with garrett mains earlier is bobby was on the bumper uh after the block 
but he didn't stay in the gas and, and dump him. He, I mean, he kind of, you know, let, let him collect it a little bit and, and raced him clean as far as it goes. I mean, he made the, that move. It was a clean move. Uh, the, the leader had did what he had to do. I mean, he put the, his car down in front of it, hoping that he wouldn't get turned and he didn't. And so Steven Wilson wins multiple times this season. An impressive uh, job for him, of course. We just saw him in Victory Land a couple of weeks ago at Road America. No surprise there. And I'm with on everything you say there at the end of the race, right? Uh, it looked like Wilson had it. Wilson had quite an advantage. But then when they got down to kind of seven and eight, and then that sweeping left-hander, Zelensky was really quick. And he nailed 10. He was hard on the brakes into 11. And all of a sudden, this thing's on. I think Steven Wilson feels that pressure. He almost spins the car out, right? Lighten up the rear tires on exit. And you're right. Bobby went to the inside. He had his look. Steven made a very aggressive block. They made contact once. Bobby said, all right, pulled back out to get ready for the corner. And he did give Steven a shot. But to your point, the difference is he didn't drive through him, right? He hit him square. He tried to move him out of the way, but he still gave Steven a chance to hang on to that race car, which he did where in the incident that we talked about earlier, a straight kind of bump, right? A one-time shot to the bumper is very different than riding somebody's bumper. Because if you're just driving through someone's bumper while they're under braking, that car's going to spin 99 times out of 100. Whereas in this instance, Bobby sure didn't appreciate the block, right? But he could have just left, hooked him on the straightaway, and Carson Hosevard him, but he didn't. He pulled it back in line, said, all right, you're going to block me. My turn. Give you a shot. Steven held on to it. Credit to both of them for racing hard but fair. And all of a sudden, Steven Wilson may be emerging as one of the top three road drivers in the series. Yeah, he's looking really good lately. Uh, yeah, kudos to Bobby and Steven for those guys racing uh, cleaner than, um, I would say, the 2022 expectations of NASCAR, NASCAR are kind of building up to. Uh, you know, listening to Denny Hamlin on the on the door bumper clear and, and various podcasts this week talk about how the loss, the lack of respect has really happened in the last few years in NASCAR. Um, we're, we kind of see that a little bit in this series, but I'm glad to see the guys who ended up front at in the feature. Uh, you know, they brought it home without dumping each other. Yeah, and it ended up putting on a good show for the fans. Um, of course, Stephen Wilson wins a couple of tickets to the NASCAR race, which I feel like Stuart Haas could hook him up with anyways, but I think the cool opportunity for him is going to be he gets to uh, participate in driving through the NASCAR racing experience. So that should be a fun time for him. Um, and now this kind of just naturally builds the storylines because you know we talk about Stephen Wilson, just you know race winner at the beginning of the July at Road America. He uh, won pretty late in 2021 as well, and next points race in two weeks time another road course so expect all of these same names that we talked a lot about tonight to be up front again uh in a couple of tuesdays yeah watkins Glen, totally different kind of road course uh high speed kind of thing uh it'll be interesting for sure you know what will be what will happen between D dylan duvall and garrett mains we'll be watching that one closely and uh yeah and then seeing you know who, if bobby can get that elusive win this year yeah, Bobby used to uh, check these things off uh, like they were scheduled race victories, but you would be surprised to note that over the course of this series history at Watkins Glen International for all of the road course race wins that Bobby Zelensky has, none of them have come 
at Watkins Glen. We've seen Nick Ottinger. We've seen Michael Conti get wins. Graham Bolin. Uh, has been to victory lane and a PJ Sturgis race win from 2016, but Bobby's never done it at Watkins Glen, right? And it's kind of more similar to a Sonoma than say a Coda, but again, it's really its own track in its own right. And you have to start looking at Wilson, right? Could Wilson double up or given how tight things are in the championship picture, do we see another first time winner, right? I mean, Conti could steal another one, but you're certainly looking, I think, at the most consequential drivers, and Bobby Zelensky and Mitchell DeYoung. Those guys need to get the race win. Um, and it, if they do, again, it's going to hurt other drivers that are currently on point. So we could see a repeat winner easily. But I think the biggest story comes if we see Zelensky or DeYoung get their first wins of the year, and that's very certainly possible. All right. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming on and talking Coke racing with us today. Thanks for having me. We'll catch you guys in two weeks. Thanks for the wrap up on that Coke race with Mike and Evan. Uh, we always appreciate him swinging by and uh, covering the Coke races for us. So uh, first up in the topics today, the Sim Racing Channel. Mike, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so there's this guy uh, contacted me out of the blue, asked us if we would be interested in participating in their channel. Uh, they're putting up together what's called the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV specifically. So I guess if you have a Roku device, uh, you can go find the Sim Racing channel and uh, so forth. Uh, his goal is to have 24-7 type you know, programming at some point. I don't think we're at that point yet, but uh, I haven't actually been able to see it. They started just this week. Uh, Greg, you actually took a peek. Yeah, so I... What's been nice is, Mike, you gave me the, the contact for their Discord, so I've been able to see the in-behind working of what they were doing because obviously i got to up, upload our video and stuff like that to them and get everything. I've been <laughs> scrambling since last week to get them some videos. And, uh, yeah, so it debuted Monday night at, uh, I think it was 6 p.m. Eastern, and at 5 p.m., the site went or the channel went up and it did the countdown for an hour. So um, I think Bobby, you did, you probably jumped in right around the 6 PM part two with adding that channel. And uh, um, I think we were treated to a truck race to start off with from iRacing, but it was really nice to actually um, kind of just have a channel that's going to be dedicated to this stuff. And I, I think our podcast is going to be on it uh, three times a week. Um, from what I gathered, I didn't see what the start time was. I needed to get a confirmation, but I think it was Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at it's either eight or nine p.m. in the morning, or nine eight or nine a.m. in the morning. Pretty cool. I think it's neat that you know we get asked to be on it. Um, you know, when they're when someone's dreaming up the sim racing channel, you know, of course the iRacers Lounge podcast it needs to be a centerpiece of that. So I, I'm pretty uh, happy that they've uh, asked us to do it. I'm excited to take some time and look at it. A couple of times when I've spot checked the website, 
um, I'm seeing like uh, streams of races uh, broadcast, like truck race on an oval or some road race somewhere uh, with announcers and that kind of thing. So that's uh, the other type of content that he currently has is he's broadcasting racing. Uh, and, and so we're kind of the, the one piece of content I think that's not necessarily racing uh, at the moment, but uh, it's pretty cool. I like it. Well, the other cool thing too, Mike, I don't know if you probably really haven't had a chance to go through it, but everything, a lot of the stuff gets put into an archive, so you can go back and watch it later on, but some of the stuff that they're actually broadcasting is actually live, because some of the stuff I've seen um, where they've been giving out the key, or not the key, they have things set up where they can broadcast to the network at that specific time for their for the, their league, and there's a whole bunch of stuff I saw that is being set up for near the end of the month of August and stuff. So there's going to be more series and stuff to get involved, um, which is kind of cool. It's just like you got all these leagues can have a, you know, a place to uh, put their stuff on if they can get in there. That's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're a league owner, I mean, you want to get involved with this, I think, and probably broad, like Greg said, broadcast straight to the channel. Um, so the guy's name is Jim Blankenship, and uh, I just looked that up, and he's been great. And uh, it's been kind of interesting to watch in Discord him try to, you know, get this thing off the ground. You know, he was having trouble the first, uh, right before launch, just getting the first video to upload to this service uh, that he's using for this. Uh, he, he finally got it done, and uh, it's pretty exciting to watch, and uh, I I'm, I'm think it's pretty cool we're a part of it. Yeah, that's a, that's really cool. Um, you know, some of these league owners, you're right. This is this might be your chance to get in on kind of like the ground floor of uh, something like this. You know, like uh, Steve Thompson, if, he, if you're listening with the OBRL, you know, this seems like it might be right up your guys' alley. P Peter Kopko and his league. You know, these are the kind these are kind of things that uh, you know you could really start to broaden your horizons with. It's a work in progress. Um, if you went to the website at the moment. It's actually down. I don't know what the problem is. I just told him, but he's constantly working on it, making it better. And like Greg said, lots of stuff planned uh, in the near future to make this better. Would, would any of you guys thought, uh, you know, in 2007, 2008, or whenever you guys joined iRacing, that you would have a dedicated channel at some point, maybe just to racing on TV? I mean, obviously, we didn't see where streaming was going, but just in general. No, I didn't think that, especially with an audio podcast that we're doing. I mean, Greg, when you started doing the video part of this, you know, hey, let's get our faces on the camera. Let's put it out on YouTube or Facebook or whatever as a video. You know, I never really considered it. And we kind of did it as an afterthought. But I'm really glad that you did that, Greg, because now you've put us in this position where you know, we're actually right into this thing, which is the sim racing channel. So, I mean, who would have thought? So it worked out pretty good. All right, guys, next up, we're going to be talking some World of Outlaws late model series. This past Monday night in the uh, in the butt kicker uh, World of Outlaws late model series, um, they were at um, Cedar Lake, which is uh, was a uh, turned out to be a really good track. Um, 
this uh this this race unlike the first week had a lot more cautions i can tell you that right now in the feature uh i was actually kind of surprised how many cautions they had these guys usually a lot better uh, a lot cleaner driving than that than uh, what you normally what we saw this past week but uh coming out of all that chaos was uh blake majulis who takes the win uh he finished a p3 last week and i want to um, uh, second place was Evan C, who uh, finished second place last week. So that's two P2s for him. And that actually gives him enough points to take over the lead over Blake Majulis by one. Um, last week's winner, uh, um, Hayden Cardwell, he uh, he actually uh, was uh, leading in his heat feet, heat race and uh, hit the wall cup really hard coming out of one of the turns. Um, and uh, he fell all the way out of the transfer spot. So he was uh, relegated to the uh, consolation race and uh, on the first turn of the Concy race he got hammered and uh, wound up missing the feature altogether so he dropped a lot of points since uh, winning week one a couple notables uh, Alex Bergeron um, this is a second week in a row you know only two weeks of the season second time in two weeks he has not even transferred into the a main feature so he has zero points after two weeks so uh, you know he's he's a little bit better in the sprint cars than he is in the late models um but yeah, uh, if if he's trying to trying to make a splash, he's way behind the eight ball. So is uh, James Eden, who's also one of the better dirt drivers in the sim. Um, same same story. He just he's missed two consecutive uh, feature races as well. So uh, looks like uh, this this series points really got shaken up with uh, Hayden Carwell missing. Um, uh, looks like uh, early on, it looks like uh, Blake Majulis and uh, Evan C are the two that that you really want to keep your eye out for this series going forward. So uh, week three will be next Monday night and we'll see what happens. Sounds like they had a lot of trouble with this particular track. I mean, a dozen cautions in the feature and, and some of these, you know, really good drivers hitting the wall, you know, and stuff like that, a tough track. Yeah, well, Hayden's always been like one of those guys who runs right along the wall. So he always plays a dangerous game, and it don't take a whole lot to just miss it and wind up uh, hurting yourself really bad. Um, you know, Hayden, Hayden's kind of like a checker or wrecker type of driver. He's he's as fast as anybody on dirt in the entire sim, but um, he does get himself into trouble sometimes being overly aggressive or, or trying to run an impossible line. So, uh, so uh, next week... Uh, they're going to be at uh, Eldora Speedway, so that's an awesome track. It's going to be some high speeds, uh, some great racing uh, with Eldora, especially once the track slickens up and and they start everybody starts running towards the top. Should should be a really good week. Absolutely, I missed this race. Uh, I definitely don't want to miss the next one. Hey, Donnie, you're here. How about talk? Tell us about did we didn't we just get a Ferrari? We did. And can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Ferrari announced another Ferrari. Uh, Ferrari have revealed the 296 GT3, the car that will pick up the legacy of the 488 GT3. The car will feature the same twin turbo charge V6 as the road going model, albeit without the hybrid component. So with this, are we gonna get another car into the service? Will this replace the 488 that we just, I think we just got? Right, we got the, there was a Ferrari and then we got the Evo Ferrari, I would say less than a year ago, within the last year, right? Let's just hope that uh, iRacing's strategy for this Ferrari is better than Ferrari's strategy for Ferrari. Oh, ouch. Yikes. But yeah. The car looks I th- good. I think I mentioned this last time the Evo was released, man. Um, 
Iris has got to be pulling her hair out with how fast these changes happen in these types of cars. You know, I mentioned last time, you know, NASCAR goes years and years without making any updates to their cars. These guys seem like every season, two or three manufacturers are coming out with new models. Well, I mean, they got to sell them, right? That's why they, they put them out so much as that they do. And they also, I would guess there's different rule changes and they try and get as far closer to the, the rules as they can and um, with the newer type of cars. But like, I would guess that Porsche usually stays the same car, just changes a little bit. They look the same, change a little bit. Um, but I would guess in the sim, we've had more Porsches and Ferraris than anything, right? Porsches, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely Porsches. Yeah, it looks like this would require, obviously, a whole new scan of the body even. Actually looks r really good. I'm not a Ferrari guy either. Yeah, it's got some differences over the current car. Like the noticeable is on the front corners, little fins or, you know, there's like stack three high. Gives it a kind of a Formula One almost look to it. Yeah, it's the channel air where it wants to, they want to put air in certain areas. And that's why they got the different, uh, it's like without having a big nose cone like they do in an F1 car, but on this uh, big road car. I got this one. We have a video here from iRacing. Uh, it's a, on the Instagram, and it's the 87s at Talladega. Uh, we're wild last week. Uh, they posted a clip of the 87s losing it at the front of the field, but somehow they save it. I mean, I don't want to put all these clips on the script, but this one kind of caught me because it really shows the tire model. Man, I mean, sometimes we all we do is complain about the tires, but you got to admit, on this car at that track, man, if you get loose or something, those tires catch the, you can feel it catch, and you can feel that rubber kind of dig in, and uh, this video really shows that. I was going to say, Mike, does this feel like nostalgia for you? Because anytime you're out front with one of these cars, you end up like that. <laughs> Yeah, you remember I had this problem a lot, and, it, and apparently other people do too. But I finally got over it. It's just you got to adjust, uh, you know, how much throttle you have in it when you get out front because the arrow is different, so much different. But, but yeah, this guy loses it as soon as he gets in clean air, and uh, but somehow saves it. Yeah, his save was pretty remarkable. The '68 car up front, that I believe is orange and green here, um, pretty wild. He saves it twice, two different occasions. What's really interesting to watch from the, um, you know, they have the helmet view, you know, where you can see like the steering wheel in front of you, how much, how much rotation there are in those steering wheels in these 87s compared to the newer cars, you know, to get them, to get them straight. It's, it's, it's a lot of travel to get those, to get those wheels, uh, spun around on these cars. The, it's like the, the steering ratio is, is so high on these. It's the steering ratio of my truck. My transport truck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I haven't been be. in my 87 in over a year. So do these things drive any different uh, than over a year ago? The tire model, I think, is a lot better than it was over a year ago. The car has better... I want to say it was a better downforce package, too, was made for these in the last year. Yeah, they're pretty fun. I usually try to find one of these races on the weekend and, and host it and jump in. Okay, Brian, how about what regrets you have? 
Yeah, this came from a uh, video from La Broca Sim Racing. They posted a, a video laying some of his – he just lays out some of his regrets regarding the amount of money he has spent over a year and a half since on the service. Service, you know, he prize he kind of gives you some advice on about what content you should or should not purchase, and when or when not to make these purchases. So, um, he he said that in March 22, he uh, he spent 231 dollar or 231 euros, which is almost the same as dollars right now, but it's like uh, t about 21 but 21 euros a month. So. Uh, you know, it's really not that bad. You know, considering what some some uh, subscription fees are for different things. But so he actually uh, he puts it out there for everyone asking, how much have you spent on iRacing? I'm assuming that he's just talking about software. He's not talking about peripherals or anything like that. And if you have any kind of regrets, you know, what what have you bought as far as iRacing content that you're like, uh, I wish I didn't buy that one. Yeah. You guys have any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm watching this. So he wasn't down on iRacing and the pricing model. He was very upfront about it. Um, you're paying a price for a premier service, but I averaged mine out. I included my membership over the last couple of years, and I think I was at 41 bucks a month. So I was like, eh, 21 is not crazy. But some regrets might be some of those road tracks I bought that I may have used once. Uh, but in that, I don't really have a lot of, I was pretty thoughtful when I was making my purchases and planning out what I was going to buy. So no, no real regrets for me. I was going to say between Mike, myself, and probably Bobby, if he's still here, we, we, we probably have a hefty bill for the last 10 to 12 years. Yeah. I mean, I've been around for a while, a little over 11 years now, and I'm still at a hundred percent ownership on content. <laughs> But no regrets. I mean, no regrets. the time I've spent in, inside the same and the friends I've made, I, there's just no regrets. Yeah, so in the two years, I've been on this uh, two years, two months, I've bought 45 tracks and 10 cars. So, I mean, it is what it is. And like you guys are saying, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for anything. I, I researched this uh, hobby going into it, and uh, I made my purchases you know, because I wanted to, so it wasn't that big of a deal. So I don't have any regrets. Honestly, so, for those of you... Goes, Oh. Well, for those of you that have all the content, I guess, have you tried all the content? Have you actually tried everything you bought? There might be a track or two here and there that, you know, I raced one time just to race in the series. But for the most part, I, I can't think of hardly just a few. See, the I've only tried thing to. that I don't have is dirt aspects of it. I have certain dirt stuff, but I don't have a, that's the content I haven't filled out. Everything else I would have used at some point, all the NASCAR tracks and ovals, anything, the short tracks, um, and, and then the road courses, I, I pretty much participate in all that stuff anyways. So it's just the dirt side that I've never, because I was even doing rally for a while there. So even the dirt side, like just the dirt oval, I just, that's the only thing that, um, I mean, I don't have a complete interest in. So that's what I know and just kind of stay away from, but. I don't think I regret any of this stuff because what else am I going to do? The only, the only other interested thing I'm in is an, in, is into is hockey. And other than that, it's, there's not much more else I'm going to do. Are you talking about an expensive sport right there? Yeah. Oh, golf. Compare it to golf. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, golf too, but yeah, it depends on how much you play golf, right? I racing is a hobby when you break it down. 
is not really all that expensive compared to, you know, hockey, golf. I mean, model trains, airsoft. I mean, you can think of a lot of active hobbies and they're, the costs are just skyrocketing. Yeah, I have pretty I have three expensive hobbies, and um, you can actually see both of them behind me potentially. But yeah, this one quite hasn't got to the airsoft level yet for me or my Star Wars collection. So there's still uh, there's still time though. I didn't well, realize till this week. Yeah, sorry. Let's go ahead. talk about that, Donnie, a little bit because four out of five of us on this conversation, I don't think the cost. You, we should even look at the cost we spend on the act on iRacing. The cost is the hardware, okay? And and how much do we spend over hardware per month? Uh, that's a bigger number, uh, especially for Mr. Brian McCubbin. Uh, Greg, you've been spending like crazy. I spent uh, a lot recently. And, and you too, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, you bought all kinds of stuff recently. Uh, the wife might be listening, so I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. No, <laughs> yeah. that was going to be my answer. For the Rico, uh, listeners and followers of a case, if it turns on, I deny that as well. Yeah, I mean, I've I've really got into the Etsy store stuff lately. Um, one of the reasons that is it supports you know sim racers who are doing the same thing, just trying to make a little bit of money to help cover their costs too, which I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and then graphics card for. And all kinds of stuff. And, and then, Donnie, you're starting to look at stuff. I know you were looking at button boxes. and Oh, yes. Yeah. So I still have all the original stuff I started with. Um, so I'm in the process now. I want to be done by February of next year of completely upgrading it. So there, that's a rabbit hole to go down to. And I'm willing and ready to go down it. So, And that's a misnomer. You'll never be done. That's the one thing. Like I, get, I agree with there. It's you're never gonna be done. Like <laughs> there's always something else you find. I was thinking that the other day. I was thinking, ah, oh, when I'm done with this chassis, because I got to build my 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 son one, because he doesn't want to buy one. He wants uh, a built one as well. I'm thinking, man, I'm just gonna want to build another one. Then what I'm gonna do with this one? Maybe I'll build a Formula One. Who knows? You hand him down the chassis that you have, and then you get a new one. You know, he does want this one, even though it's made out of PVC pipe, he, he wants it. Greg, tell us about the spa, the aftermath. And I guess Bobby and we were having this discussion too about this. Um, there's, what is this, last back, I would guess, he uh, posted a tweet on Twitter uh, about um, just even more uh, clippings of where they clip grass and what was going on and um people people complaining that they're you know it's unfair what happened um for so little of what what was going on and um i just it's kind of i kind of like relate this to what happened in you know in 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 real life you know denny hamlin and kyle bush got clipped for a piece of tape did the piece of tape do a lot for them to win that race Probably not. Or finish second? Probably not. But they still were violating a rules infraction. So you're going to be penalized for it. What do you, <laughs> you're complaining you got caught. Stop doing well, these things. I mean, this was, we used to do all these kind of things too with like setups. When they, remember when they had the monster camber, like the monster truck setups or the camber setups? There's all these things that they find exploits to. And, um, you know, if iRacing has a rule to it, you got to adhere to it. So it, this is a little bit different, Greg, too. I mean, so here it is the week after. These guys are going regular racing again. And what's happened is they were racing at a different track. And as the video shows, they just barely 
dropped a tire off on the grass going around a corner and got a week banned for that. Okay, so the, not only did the spa thing happen, but now iRacing is banning people that just drop a tire off. So they're going apparently, zero tolerance. Zero tolerance, exactly. So there's two people here on Twitter that got a week ban over it. If you click on the second guy and look at some of his other tweets, uh, he actually posted up a screenshot of like the entry list of the uh, Porsche race. Uh, and he put a mark by everybody who got banned for drip, do, uh, you know, dropping a, a tire off in the grass. And it's over half the field, like over half of the field literally got banned in this one race. Now, these are the guy, guys that are trying to qualify for the Porsche Super Cup race stuff. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're all having uh, problems here. And so this guy, Pablo, is posting up you know, so everybody knows about it and what's going on. Well, I mean, what this is looking like, you know, what these guys could end up doing and it could really, really, really screw the sim up is if they keep doing this, if you put your tires out there, you might either get, they might make, you know, we've always complained about some tracks. The one X's are really strong and spa was one of them. So what do they do? They loosened up on spa and guess what? They exploit it. So what are they going to do? They might go back to giving more 1Xs so that it's, you know, you're not there. This too. Maybe that exit now, because they see people exploding, it becomes a 1X or it becomes a time penalty. Do you really, you know, I get that you're trying to make up time. You're trying to do all the stuff you want to do. But even in real life, they're, you know, F1's cutting down on how much they get closer to the edge of the track and how far they use runoffs. So this is just a sanctioning body saying we're not accepting this you, you take your penalty and learn from it and if you don't you're going to get another one well i think there's some context missing too because if you look at it from our perspective when you just look at the twitter video you just see the one little spot where he went off the co corner and it looks very innocent but what if they're doing it every lap and they're gaining a half a tenth every time they do that so maybe iRacing seeing that, hey, they're doing it every single lap. So we're going to go ahead and, and proceed with this one. Right. And you don't see what, what they're doing on the other turns as well. You know, this is just one right. spot of the track for, for a split second that this video is, which, you know, if you if you put it in that perspective, yeah, it looks looks kind of nitpicky. But you don't know what what he was doing the rest of this um you know, the rest of the time around this track, how much more, how many more times he's doing it and how many, how long he's in the grass for it's um, so this is kind of like a, just not big enough sample to judge whether this guy is right or wrong about what he's claiming. Now, my other question is, does iRacing maybe have data from, you know, a while ago and saying people weren't using this and all of a sudden now they're using it. Um, you know, has it changed where they're going on the track from, say, an event six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago? If that's the case, then, yeah, it becomes an exploit if it's all of a sudden you're going faster because of it. So then, yes, iRacing needs to fix it, but what do you want them to do? You want them to let you be go further out there? So what happens? So you go further out and further out and further out, and then it becomes, um, you know, we're gonna, you can't, 
as a sanctioned body, you can't let people keep doing it, and then you're just going to get further and further from where you want them to be. No. I mean, with what happened last week at Spa, I mean, they, they, they have to really be watching this closely, you know, as they go forward. And so they probably did the right thing. Now, there is an update from at Pablo GZ. Uh, he posted yesterday, update on the grass drama. Thankfully, iRacing realized they were wrong and unbanned that those drivers. Thank you. Uh, hope no more dramas. We just want to race. And he, sh and he put up a screenshot that said he, uh, that they uh, removed or his appeal was uh, accepted and they removed the penalty. The thing is, though, even with an appeal like that, iRacing still has made their point. You keep doing it, we're going to hit you hard. Right. And, and we're looking, too. We're not going to just uh, ignore it. Yeah, to sum this up, so they're dipping their tires and whatnot, even if this little um, little tiny amount to to exploit um, the iRacing code, they're gaining that time. Because in real life, I don't think you can dip into the grass, obviously, and, and gain time. So if they obviously know it's wrong, and iRacing's catching them and calling them out on it. There's going to be an update, and they're not going to like what happens when they find out what that update's going to be. That they're going to, you put your tire out there, guess what? It's now more friction and it pulls your car to the grass harder or something like that. You're going to, there could be something you're not going to like if you keep doing this. You keep, you keep asking for stuff and taking it and taking it. Eventually, they're going to go one way or the other, and it's probably not going to be the way you're going to like. Yeah, maybe grass will stick to the tire, causing it to be a, uh you know, have less grip going down the, until they clean it off. Which is what it should be, right? I don't know. It's like not something I have to worry about. I don't think I'm a good enough road driver to purposely go in the grass. I mean, I go in the grass enough, and it certainly isn't on purpose. All right, Brian, we got a highlights of the week reel this time. Yeah, this is actually kind of new, right? Um, iRacing uh, typically has your you know top tens and not top tens but uh this was a video they posted called the best racing highlights of the week uh through august uh august 2nd so it's not really i don't there's not even 10 in here but there's uh, just a handful of uh really close races and really tight finishes uh to some of these uh races that i guess these people are submitting them for maybe top tens and they're pulling them from there i'm not sure but um so it's just another set of videos. There was a really good one I liked that with the uh, Indy cars at Chicago Land, where it was a really good finish. Uh, just I don't know, just barely inches separating the two cars, and there was a couple other that were right there with them. So uh, uh, pretty neat to see some more ex some more of these really good uh, highlight videos. Um, uh, and uh, it's just a different variation of of like a top ten would be. I like the Chicago land where they're four wide and the, the fifth car is just behind and he, ha he doesn't know where to go. There's nowhere to go. I mean, he, he has more speed because he has the draft, but, and he kind of looks high, he kind of looks low. He's like, uh, you know, but yeah, crazy racing. Yeah. I picked this one out as one I liked as well. The Indy cars at Chicago land. So he says he wins, uh, Pedro H Gomez wins by basically 0. 0.000. How do they determine that? Do they determine that off your uh, car number if you guys finish equally? Keeps going. There's more data than that. Okay. That makes sense. In the code, there's more data. Okay. Yeah, but no. More, uh, more decimal points is what you're saying, Greg, right? Yes, but they will get the, uh, if it's a sanctioned event, will they not get the win a race by uh, something? 
It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a iRacing achievement. Win it by point zero zero one or something like that. All right. Yeah, that's it's point zero 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 one maybe, but yeah. Yeah, Indy cars on ovals, Chicagoland here, even Iowa from a few weeks back. They're they're a whole lot of fun. I got this one. I stumbled across this on Twitter the other day, and I'm like, what? We need this track in iRacing. It's got 43-degree banking. It's the uh, it's in Germany, and they used it in F1 back in the day in 1959. It's called Avus, A-V-U-S. Um, it's right in the city. Uh, in well, I forget which city, but it's in a German city, and it's two long straight, uh, a flat, you know, hairpin on uh, uh, one side, but then a bank uh, hairpin on the other. Um, super long straights, craziest looking track I've ever seen. Yeah, this um, I, I checked it out. It's it's a five point one mile long track, and it's basically just two long straightaways with two hairpins at both ends, with that crazy forty three degree turn banking, which reminds me <laughs> almost like the yeah, it's like two drag it's strips two drag with, strips. with two two hairpins, uh, and the the uh, you know if you look at uh, at the overhead map of it, the two two lines, the two lanes of racing, you know, going one way and coming back, are just separated by a thin strip between the two. So it's not like a typical oval like Martinsville, even you know where they have a sizable infield. These two two lanes of traffic are just right on top of each other. It's crazy. And, you know, those bankings remind me like the iRacing Super Speedway are so big and tall. So I was it's basically like, a highway in the in Berlin is what it is. OK, because I was going to say, have you, have you looked it up on Wikipedia? Have you seen the. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Um, the lap record. I didn't think it'd be that long. I thought it would be a quicker lap, but a 204 lap record is the fastest it got around there. This place closed in 98, but. Um, they raced mostly in the 50s and 60s, I guess there would be the most speed would come out of the 50s and 60s. Yeah, it looks like it's a train yard now. I was just putting the coordinates into Google Maps. But uh, this looks like a track you drew up as a kid uh, to go away from the traditional oval type track. Uh, but if it comes with the service, it'd be great. But um, as long as we don't get it as a part of our official series, we did that with the iRacing Super Speedway last year. And those were... Uh, those were fun, at least in the truck series we did. Does anybody think it's weird that it was made in 1921 and they were able to make that banking? Like, how did they, how did they get it the way they were? Like, I, I watch how they make the banking of NASCAR tracks and stuff now, and the engineering that goes into it. How did they just do this in the 1920s? Looks like concrete almost. I mean, the way it looks. I mean, it's amazing. I think originally it was brick from what it looks like from one of the things there, the old pictures that I saw. Yeah, there's definitely some heft to this thing. Like it's a it's a mound of, like you said, bricks or something. And then they built the banking, uh, you know, up to it or something. I don't know. But it's so cool to see the cars at that angle. You could imagine the speed you could carry. Yeah, so um, just uh, just for uh, relative. Uh, Daytona is a 31 degree bank, and uh, this thing is 43. It's a 12 12% more grade than Daytona even has. Apparently, they made a video for F1 2020 of this track 
uh, somebody did it as a mod and they have a 2020 car going around it in the 1938 configuration of it. It was done on, yeah, actually it might have been done on a set of Corsa, but it looks like, it looks cool. You think about Daytona banking, you know, Bobby, you work there. You can barely stand on that banking without really falling down. I mean, if it was any steeper, you really couldn't stand on it, right? I mean, and so to imagine that, add 12 degrees to that, you couldn't stand on this. It would be too steep. But we have run F1 cars at Daytona before, just saying. Uh, that'd be cool to watch them go around that kind of banking. And if you think about it, Greg, that lap time probably sounds about right. I mean, you think about what a stock car runs around a two-and-a-half-mile oval yeah. by itself, you know, and we've got a little bit more speed over the years with aerodynamics. That's probably pretty close. I bet you they just go around that turn fast enough where it stays up there, but you don't want to go too fast where you go over. It looks like going over the other side. All right, Donnie, what else do we want iRacing to scan? Well... Apparently, we want school buses. According to a tweet from Charlotte Motor Speedway, they had a school bus slobber knocker, a racetrack on the Legends course at a Charlotte Motor Speedway. And honestly, looks like a lot of fun. Uh, up in Northern California, where I'm from, we used to have um, RV races or RV dem demo derbies at our, our local track. So, uh, yeah, I mean, heck, why not? School buses. The Legends track, even. Wow. Yeah, that's a tight one. I was going to say, Bobby being Simraps, uh, running Simraps, this is a nice big billboard to have a sponsorship advertisement on, eh? Oh, definitely. You talk about a rolling billboard, it literally is the size of a, size of a billboard. So We're not going very fast. Landon Castle, I think, won this race. It was like some NASCAR drivers and some notables. I think Chris Rice from colleague racing was driving one of them colleague let landon castle get in one of those that's that's surprising but awesome at the same time what's neat about the race is they're leaning on each other i mean like literally like driving in the corner you know eight tires is better than than four kind of thing and uh but they hold because the vehicle's so long if you listen to the podcast dinner with racers Kenny Schrader's on one of it, and he talks about getting paid if you can roll it over and keep it going. So he's Mike, trying to Mike, figure out how many to, times uh, you can roll it over and make how much money you can make. You need to uh, adjust what you said there. It's 12 tires is better. Right, because they got dualies. Yeah. Oh, they got the dualies, yeah. Now, at one point in the video, at 140, uh, yeah, they get spun out, but uh, pretty easy to get it going right again. I'm really surprised that the roll, the center of gravity for these things aren't that bad. Like I would expect to be really sketchy to try and to roll over. They're not, they're not going very quick probably for, and that's the reason they may not be rolling over, but they are using each other to make those corners. But uh, also it looks like a momentum type race. You got to keep that going. But there was one por portion of the beginning of the race where that yellow bus was on the inside line and was able to pull away from the guy on the outside, which was, which was kind of cool to see. So, this was kind of a joke post, but it reminds me of those semi-rig races they do in Australia and different places. Now that, man, we need to scan those. Those would be fun. Big horsepower diesels. Is anybody, is anybody old enough to remember the uh, hauler races they used to have for NASCAR inside the tracks during the season? Why did they really do that? 
Yeah, so they used to have little courses set up. Um, it was like just one on two, basically you versus time. And the guy who can get through the slalom the fastest was the winner. But they would, a couple times a year, they would take the NASCAR haulers and the drivers and they would run through it. And it, the hauler drivers would compete for a uh, title. Oh, so like they put up cones and drive through here and do this and that. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the infield of a couple tracks. I think it was, they did it like Daytona, Atlanta, Charlotte, and then like four or five times a year. I'm curious if they could do that with the current haulers. Those things are pretty, pretty beastly. There's a lot of technology in those vehicles, in those trucks. All right, Brian, how about the off-road championship? Yeah, so uh, we're at uh, week nine of, or week eight, seven. Sorry, something just fell off my house. Um, <laughs> we're at week seven of eight um, here at the, uh, at the, uh, Sorry, at the uh, off-road Crandon. world championships here. Yeah, they were at uh, Crandon Motor Speedway. Um, uh, so they had uh, two two features. Uh, first one was won by Felix Roy. Second one by Killian Delamo. And uh, so uh, they're going to be heading to the final week, which is the last two features of the season, with um, still pretty close uh, battle for the championship with Connor Barry uh, in the lead with 633 points. Keaton Swain at 619. Certainly a close enough gap over separate uh, feature uh, races next week at Crandon to uh, to make up that difference. So, uh, and that's going to be a good fun race. Again, Crandon, we got the land rush starts. They're a lot of fun. A lot of craziness can happen on those bad boys for sure. So uh, uh, let's, uh, we'll be checking it out next Wednesday night. See the finale of this off-road world championships. Yeah. This week was Bark River. Next week, the final is Crandon. Yeah. Correct. Yes. There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to Simcoaches today. Go to Simcoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and say big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. All right, podcast housekeeping. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find our podcast. Mention it to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Make sure to get involved in our Discord. Uh, some of the stories that we've talked about today have originated from listeners uh, who have posted those in our Discord. So if you want to participate, uh, send us those stories. Don't forget the website, iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel. 
Hey, Mike, uh, before we hit that, I'm going to a quick peek at the uh, fantasy results for this past week. Uh, I know it's been a crazy week getting here uh, on, the, on the show, but uh, fantasy uh, still goes on, baby. And uh, we, it was not a good week for uh, Tifosi Racing. <laughs> that's hard that's why I forgot I wanted to forget about for the it. bowling alley you wanted to pick in that last that first corner. Yeah, there's a whole gaggle of us from 18 to 33rd, it looks like. But So, Greg, you were second in overall points at one point. Stock in the lead. But, boy, the you have fallen. Yeah, I you led. have fallen from grace. That's okay. It's just, it's not been good. And I haven't been home for a lot of these races to watch and switch them when I need to. Plus, I took Denny Hamlin out last week in the first round. And, <laughs> and that was it. I had to put him back in. <laughs> So, yeah, so it looks like D-Train 89 was the winner this past week at uh, Indy. Uh, Chris Bates second, Silver Mustang 91 finishes third. Uh, G.I. Jojo 24 is in f uh, also tied for third. So, yeah, so uh, not too many uh, of, of us Tifosi guys did real well. I did terrible. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought I had – it's one of those deals where you put the lineup together and you're like, huh, it seems pretty good. I think I might have a shot. And then you wind up looking the next morning and like, oh, crap, I was 30th. <laughs> yeah, I made the mistake of only picking the top road guys and obviously didn't work out. But uh, yeah. now we get Michigan. Hopefully it's a more straightforward race this week and uh, we can do a little better. So I want to mention, what about that, you know, final restart? These guys are running over each other, you know, five, six wide when, you know, impossible to make the corner. You know, for the first time, I almost feel like in iRacing, we're driving cleaner than in NASCAR. I mean, these guys look like bozos out there. So I felt, I don't know, I was, honestly, those last couple restarts, it was it was embarrassing, I'll just say. It was, I felt embarrassed for them watching it, um, watching Logano make that move on the inside. I think he tried to pass like 47 rows and he wasn't going to make that curb. Wasn't going to make the corner. And I don't know. I just, it just get rid of turn one. These cars, obviously it's a formula one corner or it was at one point. Uh, I don't know. I just felt embarrassed for, for what I was watching. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then it turns out, point. it turns out that the runoff is, faster than the actual track as uh ross Chain chastain found out you know he like uh screw this mess i'm not trying to get eight wide in turn one i'll just go around here and wind up uh, battling for the lead coming out of it and i don't know i don't know how long this has been a thing but um probably for as long as i can remember but i don't understand how rules just can't be black and white um or enforce them the same for everything i don't know because there were cars using it and then he uses it in the end and gets and gets popped for it but i don't know just it kind of seems like rules are made up as they go and it drives me nuts kind of ruins your three-hour experience what i don't understand with that whole thing is why don't they just to solve the whole thing is, is if you use the runoff you just come to a stop and then you have to get going then you would have never it would there's no need for a penalty exactly. there's no need for yep. this or that it's they do it at charlotte so why can't they do yeah, it when there? Right. If you if you if you blow the uh, if you blow the chicane at the back uh, at the back straight of Charlotte, you gotta stop and then go again. You're never gonna be faster than uh, than hitting it if you do that. There's gotta be a penalty for not being able to stay on the track for whatever reason. I think they had mentioned if you just use the runoff, if it was um, a one to one comparison that the runoff was slower than taking the actual turn one and two. 
Um, I don't know, but yeah, they need to stop. Maybe paint a giant red square that they got to park in so they can see it. But it just seems like towards the end of these races, and they just like brains go away. So there was that moment, a split second. Chastain is on that access road going perpendicular straight to the front of the field. And it looked like if he didn't drive it right, he was going to wipe them out. He was going to literally drive into them and take them out. (laughs) Oh, my. The merch area was terrible for that. So so watching that restart, I don't even know what I was thinking, but when they, they had the overhead shot and I saw the blue a blue and black car go, I wasn't really paying attention to who it was. He just shoots straight. And then the next shot, um, Chastain's battling Reddick. And I'm like, whoa, where'd this guy come from? Clearly five seconds ago, I forgot that he shot the shot the access road. It just confused me for a good 30 seconds. I had no clue what had happened. Yeah, he was in the third or fourth row back. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden he's in second. <laughs> I just hate that it took out all these cars just got taken out because, you know, they're, you know, everybody's going for it for the playoffs. They got to get every single thing you can get. But, you know, they all look like, to be honest, they all look like idiots. And I know, I know Denny Hamlin was kind of iterating that he, that everybody was looking at them, I guess, in a group chat, a driver chat. They all looked at themselves and thought, like, what are you guys are doing there? But, I don't know. I mean, there's no way of fixing it really because you made the incentive, you win and you're in. Why would they change it? Uh, they got to look at some of these corners that they race on. Um, just not conducive to good racing for the stock cars, but can always go back to the oval. Maybe who knows they need, they need to, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. This is the second, uh, you know, turn, turn this ro- this road course to a joke. You know, last year they're, they're they're ramping off the turtles like the Dukes of Hazard, and th- this year they're all piling into to a turn like like uh, some kind of crash uh, derby. Trex's yeah. crew chief had a good point this morning on the the serious channel. He uh, he's talking about how last year if you would have dive ball in the corner like you were four wide into one, you would have tore your fender off, probably cut down a couple tires. And with these cars, you can go in there, just bounce off each other, and just keep going. Yeah, so there, there was no to do it. Yeah, there's no wheel hop anymore either for these guys taking the corners hard. The, the, the biggest problem is, is do you ever? They won't go back to the oval if they want to share a weekend with the Indy cars, because it was mentioned that it takes too long to switch the track for both con- configurations. So either are they going to give up on the? Is Rob? Is uh, Penske going to give up on the idea of having? a dual weekend to have events for road racing or or what are they going to have to do? Are they going to have to, you know, completely take Indy away from NASCAR? Yeah. The only way I see it happening is if you just did Indy all on Saturday and cup all on Sunday, qualifying in the morning after you obviously spent all night converting the track over, but yeah, you couldn't do that Saturday converting from, you know, the road course to the old for practice and qualifying for both series. So they'd have to just cut it off Saturday, be Indy Sunday, be cup. And who knows what they do with Xfinity? Send them back to IRP. Hardware Software is brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next sim rig upgrade? Or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. 
We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you need, then feel free to contact us. They have an Etsy store, Supreme 3D Printing. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, now we'll go into hardware, software. Donnie, you get the first one, an evil flag. Yeah, so YouTuber Dan Suzuki posted a video of a new iFlag mountable device from the people at Evil Racing, the Dinsu Flag V2, and it's made of aluminum and carbon. And based on his review video, he liked it. Um, it did look a little small when I was watching this video, and it I only saw him go through the gears as a gear indicator and the left and right as a spotter. And he mentioned he doesn't use a spotter anymore. He uses these indicators, these arrow indicators on these flag displays as his spotter. He says they're pretty accurate. Uh, he doesn't use um, in-race spotters anymore. And I can attest to that. Uh, David, myself, Tony, uh, we all use the old uh, uh, Midwest Customs uh, flag spotter. Uh, spotter spotlights and we yeah. like them i don't know about this thing for or these type of things for spotter lights but i know spotter lights are a lot more accurate than the the actual spotter in iRacing but it's an interesting concept this little tiny one i guess it's good to have mount on your dash um you know right above the you know if you have a direct drive or something sitting there um for it but i don't i think it is a little small for what it is yeah right. small. he put it on uh he put it on either side of the wheel just on the the profile there and i think he had one on either side because there was they are kind of small i run an iFlag. flag i love it um the spotter feature is nice it is quick it runs off the same api that the uh the midwest lights would run off of so it'd be like just a different form factor basically so what do you use your iFlag for? You said you use it for spotting, but do you use it for all the flags as well? Um, I mainly use it for the flags. I have it mounted up in the right-hand corner just above my monitor. So it would be like if you were just waiting. You'll catch out the corner of your eye like you would a real set of lights at a track. It does probably hit a millisecond or two before the green flag and yellow flags that do in racing. From the video there, I don't know if you guys noticed when he's near the end there, when he's showing the in-car, him driving, the it could be the video that causes it to be a little bit delayed, but um, it just doesn't seem as accurate real quickly enough to know that there's something on the inside or the outside of you. This video yeah, it doesn't take insane. much. Because mine's pretty quick. Yeah, he's, he did say that this device specifically was pretty pretty quick response for his... Uh, his um spotter indicator it could it could just be the video displaying it right i'm actually going to add a second one because now they got a feature where it shows the uh the pit lights if the pit's closed or not that's pretty I, cool i've actually gotten screwed a couple times trying to go down pit road and, and the yellow flies come out and i'm close to the commitment code where i could have bailed out yeah yeah because our only indicator in sim i believe is pit road closed right that little red script we don't have anything else telling yes. us unless we actually see the lights itself. basically the yellow flag coming out yeah that would be awesome then having the iFlag do that now i always felt like i didn't need one of these because i have the razor keyboard and it does yellow green checkered white flags does, does he have it, a though. safety net 
in his video in front of his monitor to make it look like yes. he's racing inside a car? Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was on the on the on the monitor. I was like, wow, that's some detail. I, I didn't know what sim he was running there, but that it makes sense now. Hey Brian, how about how much travel is too much travel? Yeah, this comes from a YouTube video from uh, someone who calls himself, Do You Think I'm Joking? And uh, it's an aptly named uh, YouTube channel. Um, so this guy's got a, a sim rig with uh, motion actuators. Uh, they're like kind of in a, a three triangular pattern with uh, two actuators on each corner. So it's got six total actuators and can achieve up to six degrees of uh, freedom. Um, but these actuators are, are monstrous. Uh, they, they've got to be probably four four foot long. Um, and it, you pretty much have to have like a little giant ladder to climb to get into the rig here because it's the, the seat itself is about four feet off of the ground. Um, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's crazy. Now I was now these actuators have uh, 500 millimeters of travel on their actuators, which uh, is about 20 inches. So it's a huge amount of travel for these guys. Now, um, some the videos that I, that I I watched him do do some racing on, it didn't get super exaggerated. So you know, it it didn't like create these crazy. Um, um, amount of motion that would be super unrealistic it's it's fairly close to uh you know closer to what you might see in a more typical four actuator system um but i'm, I'm it's, it's definitely got the capability of doing some crazy crazy maneuvering in there but it's 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 really pretty neat looking um it almost looks like a some kind of super villain type of deal where he's going to walk out of that thing and start terrorizing the neighborhood but uh it's a, it's a it's an interesting system there. So, remember the sponsor, the title sponsor of the Delara Jet Car Series. Um, I think it was like Advanced Dynamics or something like that. They have a sim that looks much like this. Yeah, I couldn't find this actual sim and and find its website to find a cost on it at all. But going back to what Brian said, I I've been looking on how to get into this thing, and. I don't know. I think I would walk into my room some night and be like, eh, maybe tomorrow and just walk away. You'd happen to have a step ladder and then somebody would have to move the ladder. Yeah. Make sure so, you have a tall enough room, a, a standard eight foot ceiling. I'm not sure if, if you're going to yeah. not be bouncing off the ceiling on that one. Yeah. He, he, so, he travels. If he puts a headset on, his head's going to be hitting the ceiling. So I did <laughs> find it, uh, Donnie, it's departedreality.com departedreality.com and uh, they have do-it-yourself plans for free it says um, and they have a product page and it looks like the cockpit motion yeah they have different things I don't see any complete package here though so they're out of Austin Texas and I think you'd probably have to contact them if you want this thing you know what's nice about this one though, Mike? This is one of the ones that actually incorporates the monitors with it too. So it's all moving together and it looks really stable altogether. Nothing's really shaking around. Um, they have everything in the setup. It's basically a couple, maybe a couple cords coming down off of it. Um, but it doesn't really take you, um, you know, everything is incorporated into that motion. So 
like it should be. It does look nice. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, Mike. It doesn't look like it might be available quite yet. Um, if you scroll away to the bottom of their first page, and you kind of can see it down there at the bottom, but it doesn't look like it's available for sale yet. But they have other other uh, sim racing items on here you can buy as well, not just for the, the motion rig. Yeah, pretty cool. So more to come on that as we learn more about them. I'll be watching them closely. All right, Greg, how about this one? This guy uh, turned off his force feedback and used motion only and was pleasantly surprised. Well, it doesn't surprise me that um, we hear a lot of the pro guys turn their force feedback anyways off in their in most of their their bases. So, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that it's felt a little bit different to them. Um, I haven't gotten through the whole video of it, but um, from what I can tell is it's just it's you can focus more on what the car is doing without being told what's going through the steering wheel, I guess, for, for what uh, is kind of what it is being shown. Um, it, it's a, I don't, I can't remember the last time I raced without any force feedback to know uh, what it's like to not have it there. I, I guess maybe I should try just practicing once just to see how that feels. But I guess, you know, if you have the motion and stuff with it, um, you still got some sensation that helps you um, drive by the seat of your pants type feeling, I guess, with it. Yeah, this is a spin-off video from last week. Remember, we had uh, three YouTube uh, sim YouTubers meet up at MSim to check out their brakes, and they had a little contest uh, switching out the, the pads on the brakes. Well, anyway, uh, one of the guys is... Um, He's done this follow-up video where he basically tried that motion sim and he tried it without the force feedback and to see if, you know, can he really feel the tires and the lip and the yaw and all the things that help you, you know, manage the car. And he was pleasantly surprised that, you know, hey, I, I was shocked at how good the motion is at giving you those cues that you normally would get from the wheel. Yeah, it seems like the software, though, would have to be very, very accurate for you to take advantage of this and to cut your, your wheel feedback in to make a, to take advantage of it, but, and good enough motion system for that to be a possibility. Race Beyond Matter, I think is his name. Yeah, Race Beyond Matter. Uh, he, he has an accent, it's a little tough for me to understand him, but I do like his uh, channel. Yeah, I always thought like turning for force feedback off would be only something I would need if I was like trying to just get just a little bit extra speed out of my car and sacrificing some of the uh, some of the uh, immersion of it because you know, I think you are likely to be a little bit faster with force feedback off because you know as you're going through bumps you're not you know you're not changing your steering you know you can hold a steady line through 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 bumps and through uh different um different obstacles on the track without losing the track that you have set in your steering um so i think it is a little bit quicker probably to not have force feedback on at all and uh you know if you can still pick up the cues from the motion that uh that help you out with uh understanding what the car's doing 
it seems like it would be like a good combination to get a little bit more speed. Again, you're sacrificing a little of the immersion effect because you're not feeling it in your hands anymore. But um, if, if you're just looking for that little bit of extra speed, you know, maybe this is something that, that would help. In the, in the sim and in the garage, what do you guys have your force feedback set to normally? Well, I run uh, my base DD1 uh, at 80%, basically, uh, out of 100. And then in sim, uh, you know, I'll usually do the auto adjust on the F9 box. So if you run two laps, you'll see a little auto next to the FFB. And if you push that, it'll basically adjust that car to that track to the maximum amount of power without clipping. And so, so yeah, that's what I do. Um, I'm on one of the older bases from Fanatec and I just have, I think, I think it's set at 12 in SIM and then, uh, whatever, I think it's a hundred percent, um, on the actual base. The in SIM setting should just be whatever your base is rated at and that shouldn't change. Right. So with that, I'm, I have the CSL Elite, so I'm below the 2.5. And I just feel like I'm going to break this thing if I run it. the same one I have. Right now? Yep. But this isn't direct drive. Is yours direct drive? No, it's just the it's the older version. It's the CSL oh. Elite yeah. PS3. Well, then dang it, maybe I'll no, try it because I just feel like I'm going to break it. One of the versions. Oh, if you break it, you just have to buy one, right? Sure. So, Brian, tell us next uh, he might be able to buy it from. Well, yeah. So, uh, man, this was a good video. I, I watched it. I was freaking Jones. And when I saw this, uh, it's from Sim Coaches. Um, and they go, this is a video where he starts just talking about some of the plans that Sim Coaches has for the future. One of those is a, um, is a direct drive wheel that they're going to be uh, producing. So that's one of the cool things. Uh, he raved about a, a new formula wheel that they're coming out. Uh, he teased uh, he teased the formula wheel pretty hard, um, saying that this 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 formula wheel is going to have something that none of the other manufacturers have. And uh, you know, I'm trying to figure what that is. I don't know if you guys have a have a good guess, um, but um, no that was one of the things he teased. Yeah. Uh, what else I tease? He he teased a, a new a brake pedal with ABS built into the pedal. So as you're holding the pedal, if your ABS starts to lock, you'll get that pulsing in your pedal, which is crazy. Um, there's going to be some kind of motor or something he said in there, and uh, that's what they're going to try to achieve in their pedals. Really crazy, cool stuff. Now, do you think that, that they're going to have to create a software probably for that ABS too then to – to utilize it in sim because we don't really have anything that tells that it just you know we have fanatec yeah. and them have their little wheelie motors that spin around right yeah i thought i thought he said something there's something in the visor uh software that they use that they're going to be able to do it through the okay. visor system that's good yeah and correct me if i'm wrong but through the video he says if you already own the hydraulic pedals the abs you can just add on to your existing hydraulic pedals was that right 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 Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so Bobby and uh, David and and Kyle, they, you guys can upgrade to that. That would be a, that would be an awesome upgrade. Yes, it would be. The uh, the thing that we, I mean, we've we kind of had a hint already at the direct drive 
uh, and possibly a, a wheel for it when we had a conversation with uh, Lance before or Lawrence before, um, you know, off air. But uh, it's good that they're finally uh, bringing that to the public now, just letting them know that they're working on it. Do you think that option on the F1 wheel will be a screen? Because none of the uh, actual wheel manufacturers, as far as like Fanatec or any of those type, actually have a screen in their F1 wheels. That's probably it. Maybe so. I know the aftermarket wheels do. Now, he also mentioned a fourth item, Brian. In that visor software, they're going to add a new tab, driver development. It'll pull data from your run and present it to you in a in a you know an effective way, and it will use AI to present you changes that you need to make to get faster. And so he's saying his AI in the software will use the data from your run to basically tell you, hey, you should do this, you know, to make to get faster. And and so uh, yeah, it's kind of got this VRS kind of feel to it. I don't know if I like that. It's going to tell me to replace the driver. <laughs> the problems between the wheel and the chair, right? Yeah, it's a spacer. I, I like it. I just don't uh, uh, I don't want it to be free for everybody. It's a little selfish reasons. I don't want everybody to be good. I want to be able to take advantage of this, maybe pay for it <laughs> and uh, and utilize it. But this is exciting. Any idea of these direct drive bases, are they manufacturing it or are they going to out or source all these parts and assemble it? Do we know that? From, I don't think we know, but I can guess that there's no, I, I doubt they're making the actual motor. Um, those things are, you know, those brushless motors, uh, you know, there's a, there's a source in Europe, I think it's called granite devices. They make the semi-cubic ones, but um, there's just a few manufacturers of those. I would guess that they're buying those and then probably building the housing and everything else that goes with it. I'd imagine they're getting the motors and then everything else is in house with the machine shop. They've got, they could easily take on that kind of role. Well, and knowing them, there's going to be something different about their direct drive bases, the way that they do their thing. Cause I wonder if they're also going to take their same stance with the direct drive bases they have with the pedals because they have lifetime warranties on the pedals. Do you think they get to that point with direct drive bases? That'd be cool. Yeah, and I would pay for it too because just the quality alone on their pedals. Yeah, so I, I've, 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 brought a, I've developed like a short list of three or four direct drives that I want to start researching more and purchasing, but that totally got put on hold when I saw this video, so... I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket and hopefully not too much into the future that these become available. I'll just uh, take I care of thinking yeah. too, Donnie. Yeah. And I'll take care of the CSL elite as long as I need to and just wait for this guy to come out. My only complaint about the panels, pedals is the color. I really wish they were like a black. Well, they make Maybe. black now, don't they? I thought, I thought one of their videos had the black, uh, black anodized look. Oh, really? That might've been lighting. I don't think we've confirmed the black yet. <laughs> well, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, he did, he did mention about the wheelbase, you know, he touted, touted pretty strongly in the video, you know, this is going to be American made. It's not going to be, you know, again, he might be sourcing some of the, some of the stuff overseas, but I think for the most part, this is going to be a, an American made product, which is really cool. I love the materials he uses on the brakes. I'm, I'm trying to imagine what the direct drive base would look like. It's going to look cool. I'm sure. 
Very, very bright. Aluminum plating, polished aluminum plating, I imagine. So one of the things that you'll notice if you watch this video, this guy's got a true passion and excitement for what uh, what he does with sim racing, man. He is all into it. It's, it's it's not something that you can fake. You can tell he is passionate. He's he's really enthusiastic about products and you know about sim racing. It's it's you, when you get done watching it, you're, you're kind of jacked up like after watching a, a Rocky movie. You know, you're like all excited about sim racing again. He can he can really put that kind of passion into you all right i got the next one we got uh barry from sim racing garage uh he's got a review a long review on the tr160 track racer cockpit and this is track racers flagship uh cockpit um he had a lot of good things to say about it um except for the seat had a little flex. I mean, that was really the only negative I heard. Uh, he didn't really care for the seat. Uh, thought they could do better. You know, the cockpit and the seat don't measure up to each other. So he, he, he thinks they need to do a little bit better on that. But as far as flex and everything else and uh, build quality, I mean, second to none. Now, if I remember right, Tony has this one, right? Or does he have the TR-180 or the TR-80? I want to say it's an older version of these of theirs, right? Yeah, so Tony is super happy with his, I know. Um, I've recently bought some track racer parts, just, you know, one-off type stuff, and they are pretty solid. Probably a little bit on the overkill side, actually. This is a SimLab P1X clone, kind of. Um, the 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 part where the, you put the direct drive base is a bit different, but everything else pretty much is the same. When I bought my rig, this was on the short list for sure. It made the top three or four. It is U.S. Uh, and and that's you know a consideration if you're shipping. You know, uh, nine hundred and forty nine dollars is what it goes for. They were also having a problem at one point with getting product out because they were behind because of COVID and stuff too at one point. Yeah, and I've heard people say they've had mixed results with the way they ship stuff. Like they'll ship it in pieces and not all in one package. And you get pieces from UPS and you'll get another piece from Postal Service. And yeah. It was kind of like a mind game when two different delivery dates on Friday and a Monday and only half of it came and it wasn't the half that I wanted the first one. Well, if you're looking at 80-20, I mean, this is one you have to consider. Uh, the price is, yeah, steep, but maybe you'll save on the shipping over, you know, getting a sim lab either from Canada or Europe. Well, that one comes with the seat too, so that's pretty good price for the seat with a seat. Well, like Barry said, though, you probably want to get a different seat. But most of the cockpits are usually that price without seat as an option at all. So, sure. Okay, Greg, how about the H pattern and sequential in one package, a Fanatec alternative? I really haven't got a chance to look at this one. Um, it's from uh, Boosted Media. It's Boosted Media. He's posting a, a, a video of it. Um, what's the name of it here, Mike? I'm just trying to, I'm behind on it here. Well, it's the VNM shifter. That's uh, what it is. Yeah, it just came. I up think here. they're from the Vietnam. Uh, we've talked about them before. 
This is Bobby. This isn't the one that you've purchased, is it? No. Okay. Um. So, anyways, the, it's basically. Uh, I'm guessing is it 3D printed box for it. Um. Kind of looks, looks like, like a it ca casing. Um. But. Uh, yeah, boosted is talking about it. He's showing the linkage and stuff in the video. Um. Pretty. Pretty typical uh, internals for it uh, with the uh, the same way it's got uh, the springs. I show how it works uh, with everything taken apart. Um, I kind of like, I wonder how well this would uh, work compared to um, the Fanatec one because Fanatec one is over the years, they don't last very long. The shifters aren't the greatest for the Fanatec one. So if this is an alternative to fixing that problem, um, but the same type of way of doing it, it's uh, definitely a, a better thing to have um, because I can't, I can't even count on my six speed um, Fanatec one. I, I can do the sequential, but the, the six speed, you can't count on it actually working through every gear all the time. Um, but it looks like a very strong, uh piece from the inside the way they got it it's basically i guess how they shift the, the they switch it between it is it's got a different top for sequential and a, and the, the h pattern um pretty cool oh, it's got that's, a nice, that's uh, the big thing like nice for knob it's two options uh, a round one and then the, i guess you'd call it like the more of a, a bullet style shifter um really nice uh, product uh, from what uh, i can see here that's the thing, though, Greg. I think that's the one on that he had was to to change it from sequential to H pattern. You have to like have tools and literally take it apart. Uh, it's a longer process than the Fanatec one, you know, switching from one to the other. And that was really the only downside that he presented about it. Uh, the software was pretty crappy, but it worked. Um, but other than that, I mean, he liked it, except for the part of switching it from one to the other. I think, I want to say that the Fanatec Switch 2 is probably one of its downfalls of why it doesn't work the way the Fanatec works, too, is um, that whole mechanism in it. It's basically just, you know, it's a button on each side that you pull on the Fanatec ones. Um, it kind of... There is no, you don't really on the Fanatec, I like the look of this where you have actual gear places to put it in. You actually have the, the six gates, whereas in the Fanatec one, you feel the gates, but you don't really see them. I I, I kind of like the way that, that, that this one looks, but you're right. It, you know, if you got a, you know, the way, you know, you like to race some nights, Mike, if you wanted to switch from one car to another, you'd have to get the toolbox out and you might not be able to make the next race if you had to switch it. I know you wouldn't, but the way you race sometimes, how many races you try and get in a night. Yeah, right. and, and that's where my Fanatec shifter failed. So when you slide it up to sequential, it hits a little tiny micro switch and the micro switch went out. That took like maybe 25 days to, to get them to fix it. If I just do what the switch was, just by myself and replace it myself. But uh, now I know better not to send it back. But, um, but that was their problem was a switch. So I, was, I think you, you might be a little disappointed with this one. Um, so I was excited to see it. Maybe there's another option, but uh, yeah, switching out that plate and to take off the knobs. If you see that knob and see a ring below the knob, it's like a compression. You just basically uh, pull that bottom, squeeze it towards the knob and it just lifts off like uh, the Fantec one. We, we spin ours off. 
Uh, this one is uh, looks like it's a compression type fitting that holds it on, and the shaft's a little little thinner, as well. Is there a cost to it in the list? It's see the cost. Yeah, I'm not finding it anywhere. I use the SHH shifter, Greg. Okay, have, that's what it was. I okay. On. Um, and it's literally you just you push down on the shifter and turn it, and it'll go from sequential to uh, H pattern. Yeah, I mean, I've I have the Fanatec as well, and I pretty much have resolved just to keep it in H pattern mode and just using paddle shifters when I when I'm doing anything with sequential, because once if I if I switch it from H pattern to sequential, it starts screwing up on the H pattern when I put it back. So I mean, once I got it fixed, I just left it in one and just use the paddle shifters from there on out. It's a shame because it, it'd be nice to have both options, but um, when switching it from one to the other keeps causing problems. I'm just, uh, just, just keep it, keep it one way and just leave it there. Did, did they ever figure out, or I never heard, they obviously have a 2.5 version of Fanatex. Did they, did that solve the problem or did they just make a better, like it looks a little bit, different uh i think it was like a carbon shift knob or whatever looking thing with it but i don't know if did the problem get fixed i have the 2.5 i believe it has the seven gears so you don't have seven no i have the original it has seven okay all right so i'm looking at bobby's right now on their site um so you like that shifter the shh yes i love mine okay. not, i was a fan tech user for a long time i am digging the price what um it's euros but it's it's about a hundred bucks. It cost me I think a hundred. It was less than one hundred twenty with shipping, and I think I ordered something extra with it. But I went with the white one. So I found I found the VNM price uh, two hundred eighty five dollars. Wow, that's pretty steep. Yeah, I'm looking at Bobby's. I I like Bobby's. So I was thinking, um, do what car do I drive that I need an H pattern for? You know, now that NASCAR has sequential, do I need an H pattern? I don't know that I do. Well, it's only the Cup Series of your truck. Yeah, or Arca. You, you need the option. Mike doesn't do the realism thing completely. <laughs> so I'm working on a story for next week, actually. Um, it's not on the script this week for the B&D H pattern shifter from the UK. It's 880 pounds, and it's one of those big time realistic H patterns. That's the one you want. Um, now, as far as the sequential, I'll recommend the one I got from Russia uh, called Aologs. Um, now, I don't think he's still in business considering the Ukraine war, but. Um, but man, that one—it really feels like a real shifter when you when you pull it. Uh, it's got that click and the mechanical feel in it. I, I can't recommend that one enough. I wonder the other, if the other one, Donnie, ever get into it, build one. The other one is the uh, uh, who does the pedals the uh, that are not hydraulic. That's really popular. Heiskenveld. So Heiskenveld has a small little H pattern shifter that you should look at. And then look at the one next week uh, that I'm going to do next week. I'm thinking Sim Coaches needs to get on board. Yeah, I was looking for Sim Coaches to do one myself. I got the next story. It's the Pul Pulsimer 
uh, wheel. And uh, I believe these guys are out of Poland, if I'm not mistaken. But they've offered their uh, F74 LED formula wheel. And uh, it's a 290 millimeter width. It's 409 euros, VAT included. And it's got a very basic look to it. Um, it doesn't have a screen, obviously. It does have an LED strip across the top for your RPMs. And then it looks like, you know, six different knobs and six different buttons, basically, all within reach of either hand. Uh, not, not Nothing too fancy uh, beyond that. And the price, you know, reflects that. Got shifters on the back. It looks like a, uh, a plug-in screw-on cable for the cable uh, for USB. I'm trying to see how this guy mounts. Yeah, looking at the back of it, it does look like a challenge on how you would mount this thing. I presume you would take that that silver plate off and somehow mount uh, your quick release to that. I don't know. Yeah, it would be a quick release that has that bolt pattern. It's simple design. doesn't look terrible. I don't know what that price reflects, the design. Um, I don't know. What does the formula wheel from Fanatec cost? Like 300 and it's, you know, it's got a lot more features than this, but this looks, you know, like a, an actual steering wheel. Like it's made out of metal, it's not plastic, you know? All right. Well, we'll throw it to Brian for the last uh, story. Uh, how about a gold plated racing cockpit? Yeah, this came from an Instagram uh, post from uh, Supercar Blondie. And she, Do you guys uh, not know who she is? No, nah, is, it, is it Deborah Harry? She's like one of the most famous uh, women in the world. She has <laughs> access to like the best car selection you could possibly have. Agreed. She is a monster follow on social media. You guys follow her, you'll see the best cars in the world. Yeah, good. She really liked these sim rigs, that's for sure. Yeah, these are uh, uh, Telios um, motorsports uh, simulators. Uh, she unveils two of these guys. Uh, they're just immaculate looking. Uh, she says they run 140 grand for these uh, two two that she unveils. Uh, the one I really like with all the um, with all the cowling around it. It looks really cool. Um, it's it's of course it's got everything in it you would think uh you would need uh really cool led lights uh systems it's got uh the fans uh on there that uh that are uh, she calls them a ventilation system uh she didn't mention that they're simulators as far as wind goes or if they're just for for ventilation but uh i imagine they're probably uh, set up to be uh, wind sims. Um, just two beautiful rigs that she's got there. Um, they're both triple monitors. Actually, got four really. If you count the overhead, they got overhead monitors, uh, monitors as well. It's just really nice looking systems. So I kind of find it funny that on the video she's completely focused about the the Fanatec DD2 wheel and the fancy looking vent hose that blows air and the emergency stop button, but she totally doesn't even point out the fact that the cockpit's made out of gold, actual gold. <laughs> Skipped over that one, I guess. Well, when she, I mean, they show when it. she's driven in some of the cars that she's driven in in the world, this, these things are like the cheapest things that she's probably seen in the last couple days, maybe. 
Yeah, they show the gold briefly in the video. Um, you can see like gold bars, basically, uh, like pipes, maybe like it's a pipe kind of cockpit. And obviously it's gold plated or something. Is it bad that I think for $140,000, you're going to put Fanatec equipment on something? I was trying to look for the value for the 140000 I I don't see $140,000 there. Well, gold might have something to do with it. So the one of them, I mean, probably <laughs> together. Like, she can sing both of them together, one hundred forty thousand. It's kind of the way it reads, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Now we've talked about that other cockpit, the one that she's not sitting in before, um, and I don't remember what the price is on that one. But all right, and with that, we're going to go on to results. And guess what? We have a new sponsor. Results is sponsored by Simraps. And uh, Simraps, sorry, if you need, are you in need of an identity? A wrap is more than vinyl on a car, and it's you and your team's identity on the track. So stand out, not blend in. Simraps can design not only your race vehicle, but fire suits, helmets, and everything. Simraps can work with your budget to make sure you do a standout so you do stand out in a crowded field. Make sure to pull in for a pit stop and check out our work at simraps.com or your typical social media sites like Facebook and Instagram. All right, thanks Bobby for stepping up there. We'll be talking about Simraps some more. Let's jump into results. Now, did anybody race the end of the week at the road course? Yeah, I think me and Greg, Greg raced Friday night. I raced, yeah, I raced Friday and Sunday. Yeah, we don't uh, have any results. Uh, you so what'd, go you, first? what'd you get? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sure, I'll go. Um, finished P23, I believe I started like P28. Um, just don't, I didn't have any issues really. I think I went off track one time, but I, only I think I have five starts total in this car. I'm not comfortable with the braking zones yet. So I just need to get, get that developed a little bit better. Um, but P23, uh, no issues with anybody. Kind of ran by myself for the most part. Um, I finished P8 on Friday night, if I remember correctly. I was battling with a guy for fourth. I mean, Mike, you sat in that night and watched me and Donnie because we were in the same split. Um, that was the race that I, I didn't get a good qualifying in, and I drove from 24th to the top five before pit stops. And I was battling, I think, for fifth or fourth, and I on the last lap, I I spun it, trying to you know stay off the guy and pass him and do a whole bunch of things, and I finished P8 coming across the line with one of my <laughs> tie rods completely broken. Because yeah, I, I ended up skipping the race. That was the night that you uh, you were admiring Donnie's car. Yeah, Donnie got a nice paint job, and we were talking about that. But yeah, I got a P3 on the Thursday race, so I decided to sit Friday out. Yeah, my paints are nowhere near Bobby's level, obviously. Probably scale 1 to 10 compared to him, but uh, I try. It was fun. It looks okay. Um, and then Sunday, I finished p Five, I think, yeah, it was P5, battling for 
third, um, I got, <laughs> I guess, I got turned by our, our, a good racer, our friend, or our, our, our fellow competitor and a good friend, Tyler Marble. We were racing for the last 10 laps for third, and he kind of, on the last corner, he dove it in and got me. Um, I mean, it was, we were using each other up on almost every corner we could for the last two laps, and then, um, uh, yeah, that happened, and by the time we got going, we had a 10-second lead on fifth, and spinning me around and got going. Tyler let me go, which is nice. He's like, he realized what he'd done. He said, just go. I'm not going to finish until you get to the line. And by the time we got going, the guy from fifth had pulled up beside me, um, finished third. I finished fourth or fifth, and, and Tyler finished sixth, I think, or something like there. So it was uh, it was good racing. Um, I definitely definitely love these cars on the road more than anybody on this team. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens when we go to Watkins Glen and Charlotte. I think Charlotte's not going to be that good. Watkins Glen should be good, though. All right. And let's move on to Michigan, Wednesday Open, P19. I got as high as 10th at one point, uh, but would fade on those longer runs. I ended up short pitting the green flag stop, and I ended up shook out to be a lucky dog when the caution came out. Uh, what a break. Uh, decided to save that last set of tires for the next caution, but there wasn't no caution. Uh, so I ended up fading uh, from P12 to 19th. Uh, it was a gamble. I asked my guys, hey, should I take the tires now? Should I wait? Uh, everyone was like, yeah, save them, man. There's going to be another caution, but no, there wasn't. All right, looks like Kyle finished uh, P7. He started P6. He uh, stated, did my best to save tires, but found myself fading, so decided to push hard, and the car got loose after an early race adjustment. Adjusted back to the original setup and the car was comfortable again, but now it was time to move back up from 19th. Slowly worked my way up through the field and just couldn't get that top five finish I was shooting for, uh, bringing home the P7. Looks like Tony Rochette, he uh, finished P10. He stated, uh, I was just too loose at the start of the race. One caution burned up my tires, second run 17th to fifth in five laps and faded hard and couldn't catch the leaders after that. Uh, and then Tyler, yeah. he got P29, was running around 20th as the green flag cycles were wrapping up when I brushed the wall in between three and four. I couldn't get off the wall and spun out completely. No caution and just decided to pit. Was hoping for a late caution to get the lucky dog, but was not lucky. Bummed out, solid set. Thanks, Tony, for the help. Then I got, uh, today I ran, Thursday, open, P8. I'll take it. Uh, car number one, first time I've been car number one in a long time. Uh, started 15th, uh, no cautions at, at all in the beginning, green flag run. Uh, some people short pitted it. Uh, I didn't wait, uh, I didn't short pit, I waited till about three laps left of fuel, uh, pitted from fifth, ended up about 10th when it all shook out, and then another caution, 20 to go. Um, and then another caution with three to go, I was 10th and made it up to eight. I need better track position. Moving on to official racing, I ran the F2000 at Oran Park, one of my favorite tracks. Qualified P6 out of 13, got the got to fourth, and then on the next lap, uh, stuffed it in the wall hard and turned one, so it's really easy to overdrive. 
after a long tow, uh, I was back on track and ended up back to eight. The next race I ran started P5 uh, out of 10. I got ran over from behind on lap one, uh, turn one, uh, go to the back, um, I was about 15 seconds back from ninth uh, place driver. I did keep it on the track the rest of the race and worked my way back up to fourth. Yeah, for official races this week, I woke up early Saturday morning at 5 a.m. ran the IndyCar iRacing Series at uh, at Indy, the road the road course. Uh, started P16, finished uh, P9. Um, again, in that race, I was incident free. I might have went off track once, but uh, once I got up to the guys I couldn't hang with anymore, I settled in, finished ninth. I ran uh, two late model races uh, for the Fix Series. I finished third for the open set. I uh, finished sixth. And the eventual winner of this race, his I rating was 10,795. So I don't know where that puts him up in the top guys. That's got to be pretty high. Um, but yeah, same thing here. Uh, the open one attracts the, the higher I rated guys, I, I seem to see. But uh, other than that, it was good. No incidents. Uh, kept the car clean. Had a lot of fun. Tonight I'll do the B, the B car at Michigan, and tomorrow I'll do NIS with you guys. All right, David Hall, the Euro Sprint Series, P1 at Sebring. Uh, one of my favorite road courses. Hard fought, but after pits and somehow picked up 20 seconds on the other contender. He ran again and another win. Small field beat a guy with 500 more I rating than me by 30 seconds. And then Tyler, he wins P1 in the Stock Car Brazil Series at Watkins Glen with no boot. Started on the pole and ran third, close to one and two the entire race till around 25 minutes in, leaders pitted. I used a different set and was able to run the full 30 minutes without stopping. Extremely pleased I had the speed and strategy for once. Took my Chevy Cruze to victory lane. Let's go. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm gonna have to look at these cars, um, see what kind of wheel they use, see if I have anything that matches it, but um, yeah. I didn't know any of us wrote, uh, drove those cars, and I'm going to look into it, especially if the running tracks I'm good at. Well, it sounds like somebody messed up if they had to stop for fuel and he didn't. <laughs> Let's talk hosted Fast Track Racing League. Joe Owen wrecked out just after the restart, was getting freight trained and barely clipped the wall, sent me and the car down to the inside into pit lane. And then I was wrecked out by Joe. I was on the inside of Joe when he wrecked. And so both of us got thrown into pit lane. We were on the Indy Oval. And, uh, and you know, if you come off four, everyone's done it. You spin off into the pit road. Yeah, that's what happened. I had a blown engine. And so both of us were out pretty early. You left me alone. I said, Greg, it, uh, your, all our hope is on you. So this would, would have been really interesting because uh, uh, it was caution with 43 laps to go. And a fuel run there was about 37, 38 laps. Everybody stayed out because we had a caution like 20 laps before that, or 10 laps before that. I decided to take uh, tires and fuel and, and, and then I decided to come down one more time and top up. And I decided to stay at the back. 
I clutched it into every corner. I was three laps short when I started that, that stint. Uh, I got it all the way down to I was going to make it on fuel. I was clutching into the corners. I was passing people because my tires, I wasn't using tires at all. I was in fifth gear the whole way around. I wasn't downshifting. Um, and then I had made my way into the top 10 uh, when the caution came out with about nine laps to go. Uh, and then we had, I went in, got tires. Some people couldn't get tires because they had pit short, short pitted. I was, I was 11 seconds up on the leader, the leader or the guy that would have been the leader if uh, the, the, it would have uh, cycled out. Um, so I would have had to, get, you know, for nine laps, I would have had to hold off and for, for it. Uh, and then um, I would have, uh, when the caution came out, I pitted, got tired, or didn't get fuel or anything, but uh, did it and uh, was able to make myself, from, I think it was 17th or 16th on the restart and made my way up to 9th. Um, that's all I could do. I had a top five car, um, but uh, wanted to try and see if I could go for a win with some strategy and uh, just finish ninth. All right, nice, nice run. Uh, Kyle put down uh, something here about the iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 4. Uh, they were at the Auto Club in the B car uh, Thursday night on August 11th. They'll be running Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, it's a night race. We're broadcast on the Global Sim Racing YouTube channel. Also, some news coming from the owner. The boys at the iRock are starting their own podcast called The Hot Dog Stand. All right, with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Bobby Jonas. I'm just glad to be back racing. Uh, I was able to pick up my first IndyCar win the other day. That uh, was pretty cool. And uh, hopefully things have calmed down a little bit here and I get some more NIS time back in. Yeah, nice win in the IndyCar. You did it on the outside uh, despite, you know, not binding up the car, maybe pinching down a little. It was quite a replay. Um, yeah, nice win. Yeah, the last two passes, the first, second and first, were on the outside, and it was, it was interesting moments. <laughs> All right, Brian McCubbin, final thoughts. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting day. Lost power with a storm by here right before the show started. So I'm just uh, working on battery power and uh, camping lanterns. So I won't be getting on the rig tonight. I don't think to to turn some laps, but uh. So, uh, what else? So, uh, just wanted to shout out to Tyler Williamson, our teammate. Um, him and I, we met up, we put pictures on, uh, on our messenger. We went and, uh, to this uh, driving, uh, this uh, velocity driving experience where we got to go and take our kids to drive around in a, in a Lamborghini around a closed course, a uh, little, um, a little, uh, track that they had set up uh you know cost a couple bucks it wasn't wasn't all that crazy expensive but uh yeah it was pretty cool um seeing those guys drive around in in a hurric uh you know a lamborghini hurricane that you know i've raced on high racing before so pretty cool yeah pretty neat to see those pictures uh you had me fooled at one point i thought tyler bought the car or something <laughs> yeah he secretly won that uh that mega millions. Uh, he's not telling anybody. I just I think I just let the cat out of the bag though. Right, Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, no, I just feel like it's been a busy couple of weeks uh, on the personal side, so I'm hoping to get more racing in this week. Um, was super excited about that sim coaches video and what they plan on doing in the future. So 
just want to keep up with them, see what they got coming out. But I'm looking forward to tonight and and tomorrow night. Right. Very good. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Um, I had a crazy start to today when before we started the podcast, I logged on and uh, uh, was trying to fire everything up. And I found out that uh, Mob Crush wasn't working, which is our normal thing that we disperse our streams through uh, so that we can put it through multiple uh, channels. And I find out from Twitter that something happened, either they were bought out or changed some infrastructure. And I don't have the same tabs that I used to, and it wasn't even going to the same site anymore to do anything that I wanted to do. So I had to, uh, what, within the last 10 minutes before this podcast, come up with a new plan, do a whole, get it, get restream all fired up and uh, going through it. Um, was able to get it going. Uh, I think the only thing that failed this week on the side was the uh, Twitch side of it, which I apologize if uh, anyone tried to uh, watch it through that. Um, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get her ironed out and uh, figured out from for next week. Uh, I'm excited to uh, post this and uh, for the Sim Racing channel, uh, so it's live there. And like I said, you can go back and watch our episodes. Uh, they're in the they're archived also on the channel, so you can go back and watch them, which is cool. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that and. Uh, all that we've been doing uh, to make this channel uh, or this uh, podcast what it is. Yeah, I'd like to see some listeners send us a picture of them watching us on the Roku TV on the new Sim Racing channel. Send those pictures in. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, having fun racing the F2000 or Ann Park. I don't know what's with that track, but I, it just clicks with me. Uh, I ran the Ferrari Challenge there for a long time. Uh, really liked it and now this car at that track uh, I know it pretty well so I was able to perform and I think I got a top four as the best one not too bad uh, considering it's not an oval so I'll keep hammering I'll probably run that again tonight uh, but yeah happy to get a top 10 at Michigan considering I can't catch any cautions and uh, and uh, ready to move on to next week and with that hey we'll see you on the track later Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.